0: Hi Hi listeners. Welcome back to another episode of I'm Horrified. I'm horrified. We're so glad to be here.
1: I feel good that we've settled into not saying I'm horrified together in the beginning of the episode. We made that choice. It
0: feels like now we've really decided to run with it. We've reached a professional pinnacle mm. here together. Absolutely. You guys get to experience it with us. Absolutely. I'm thrilled. Are you thrilled? thrilled. (laughs) Our spinoff podcast. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Yeah. This is just nice things. (laughs) We just are like, I had a good day. Yeah. (laughs) Saw a dog. I was thrilled. It would be boring. There's no narrative there. (laughs) But then it's a full symbol crash
1: every time anyone says thrilled. It's very distracting. Yeah. We work best (laughs) in the bleak. Yeah. I'm best if I'm running on like 30% anxiety. Yeah. Same. That's when I'm at my best. It's our natural state. Yeah. Always in my brain, there's like a quiet, (laughs) <laughs> yep you have told me that before yeah and it just like varies day to day like sometimes it's like uh, and then sometimes it's like ah, yeah and yeah. it really just depends but it's always there and we're such good friends that sometimes i feel like i can hear it <laughs> yeah, yeah you know? i'm sure you can and sometimes i'm audibly making it out loud that's true that's true, part that's, true that's
0: part of it mine's sort of like a uh, it's a little more uh, exhaustive. Uh, it's tired mm It's like a mom with like five children and seven jobs, Mm -hmm. but I don't have either of those things. Children, I'm horrified. (laughs) That's a whole other episode. Childbirth, childbearing. Oh man. Teenagers. The husband
1: stitch. Have you heard about that? What is that? (laughs) After you give birth. Your vagina's whacked out, right? Yeah. And so, like, sometimes there's tearing and they have to stitch you up. Oh. But, like, since the 50s, they've done something called the husband stitch, and that's where they stitch you, like, one more than they really are supposed to, so you're fucking tighter.
0: Oh, God. Right? Are
1: you kidding me? Yeah, and they still do it to this day. Like, they'll be like, oh, do you want one more stitch for your
0: husband? And it's like, no, I don't want a needle near my vagina. I would just be like, no, just cut off the bottom part of my body (laughs) and send me home. Thank you. I'd rather be a mind in a tank like in Futurama. Oh, same. (laughs) So this week, we're covering Munchausen's by Proxy. And Anakin Skywalker. Perfect combo.
1: Honestly, I
0: think it's a good combo. Yeah, I just feel like we've hit the nail on the head a couple of times before. <laughs> this one takes the damn
1: cake. I'm thrilled to talk about both of these subjects. I think they're both relevant to us now. I think we can recommend some really great articles and videos on both.
0: Yep. I'm just ready to go. They're a good way to learn from our history. Look towards the future. Absolutely. And there's a lot here, so let's just get started. We, all right? we need to. We Time need is to get of the essence. Here we go. Teach me. Munchausen syndrome by proxy, uh, shortened to MSBP, is a mental health problem in which a caregiver makes up or causes an illness or injury in a person under his or her care. So somebody taking care of somebody pretends that that person is sick or... fucked. Yep, or disabled or impaired in some way. So these are people who are either children or they're elderly people or people with a disability... Basically, people who are in some way vulnerable to abuse. Even though this is very rare, normal abuse often can affect these demographics as well. Because they um, can't care for themselves independently. Exactly. So, the most common form it takes is mothers towards their own children. So, there are fathers who have it, there are people taking care of their parents who have it. Mm-hmm. But it is most commonly mothers towards their children. So sad. Yeah. And that's like the primo horrifying thing about it because it's like, you know, that's the one relationship that you would think would be totally sacred. But of course it's not. People are abused by their mothers and by Mm -hmm. their parents and that's terrible, but it is reality. So it's also known as a factitious disorder imposed on another, which sounds less interesting. It sounds less scary for sure factitious disorder imposed on another. So, by proxy means being imposed on another. I'm trying
1: to figure out where, like, factitious, like, it's not the facts. Like,
0: you're, you're creating a factitious disease. You're creating a factitious Uh, situation. Cool. So, Munchausen syndrome is all of those same symptoms, the faking, the lying, the medical factitiousness, but towards your own self. So you say that you have a debilitating disease or disorder or Mm -hmm. disability for sympathy, but it's all about you and you're not imposing it on another person, which would be Munchausen's by proxy. And so both conditions get their namesake from Baron Munchausen. Ooh, he sounds evil. (laughs) He sounds evil. He's not real. He's a fictional character, apt, (laughs) based on an actual german nobleman. Ooh. So there is a guy somewhere. There is an evil german <laughs> baron. An evil out there. german baron somewhere. Baron Munchausen is the subject of a 1785 book, Baron Munchausen's Narrative of His Marvelous Travels and Campaigns in Russia, which was written by Rudolf Eric Rasp, and in the book, you could probably infer Munchausen is known for telling tales of his time abroad, of his many successes and triumphs at war and, and it's not real it's not real <laughs> it's factitious so the okay. namesake is pretty obvious it's about lying and liars and sense. being a liar
1: i so. didn't know the word factitious until this day so i've already learned really 100 more than oh, i thought no. I would. i'm we very can call excited it
0: both because it's you know new words are fun i love that i wow. love vocabulary i know you do you have an amazing vocabulary oh my god thank you you really do that's really kind of you I don't want to talk... I just want to say nice things. I don't want to talk about this. This (laughs) is horrible. This is for I'm thrilled, Yeah, I'm thrilled! When we record that Exactly. So, oh, this sucks, too. Oh, no. (laughs) So, the term Munchausen Syndrome and Munchausen Syndrome by proxy was coined by John Money in 1976, and John Money is his own fucking episode because he is a complete piece of shit. He was... He claimed to be a psychologist and a sexologist, but he was a total fraud, Uh. and he... Abused many of his patients. Many of his patients were children who were experiencing some sort of issue with their sexual organs or issues with their gender, and he experimented on them, basically. So he experimented with children about gender roles, trying to figure things out, and obviously your genitalia does not dictate your gender necessarily, Mm -hmm. but imposing your own thoughts and experiments onto children is... Abuse. And it's not appropriate. That's unethical Um, as
1: all. Very
0: unethical. So he's terrible, but he did give us, he gave us this terrible word. So Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Thanks, John Money. Um, (laughs) Thanks for nothing, John Money. So about the disorder a little more. Um, The disorder is extremely rare. A recent systematic study in Italy found that in a series of over 700 patients admitted to one pediatric ward, only four cases met the diagnostic criteria for MSB. So that's 0.53%. 0.53%. Um, oh, that, I gotta say, that shocked me a little bit, because it's like, 700 people walked in, you know, that probably takes a couple days, and you're saying four cases of this crazy came through the doors, but it was just sort of like, symptoms that could be yeah, that's related to it. And some some people display less severe symptoms that don't go all the way to severely harming or murdering your child, mm-hmm. which, uh, that's what we want. If you gotta have it at all, have that <laughs> first kind, all right? So fathers and other male caregivers have been perpetrators in about 7% of cases studied. And when they're not actively involved in the abuse, often fathers or the male guardians of the victims are described as being distant, as Mm -hmm. being not involved, as being extremely passive in the situations and in their own relationships with their partners. And just sort of letting the mother or partner or whoever is perpetrating Mm -hmm. abuse on the child yeah do whatever they want without question yeah so that's a common sort of trait of people who are complicit yeah in this situation and that's just some fucked up like gender
1: stereotyping stuff is like the woman will take care of the baby i'll be over here right like and i assume everything's fine yeah
0: You know, because parents should be vigilant of that kind of stuff, but I feel like fathers are just like, oh, well, a mother would never harm her child, which makes people who are abused by their own mothers, like, as horrible as it is to think about, it happens. You know what I mean? And you have to be aware of what's best for your child. Absolutely. So overall, male and female children are equally likely to be a victim of MSBP. And in the very few cases where the father is the perpetrator, the victim is much more likely to be male. So I thought that was interesting. Interesting. I don't know why that is, but that's yeah, interesting.
1: That's fascinating. Um, I'm I don't know why that is either. I don't yeah, know. How to guess.
0: I yeah, I wouldn't even know. <laughs> and there aren't a ton of documented cases because it is so rare, but the ones that do surface usually gain media notoriety really fast. <laughs> and they are Horrifying. And they're horrifying. They're oh terrible. God. They're crazy. They're yeah. confusing. And they're just really. And sad. Insane. And just like at the end of it, you're just
1: like, I'm sad. Yeah,
0: they're really sad. But yeah, and you can understand why they gain media notoriety because it's bonkers and unimaginable. So, a couple of them. I'll go through a couple of them. Yes. In 2008, Leslie Wilfred, who already had a few children of her own, had supposedly given birth to stillborn twins, whom she openly grieved for and planned funerals for. So, shortly after the fact, it came to light that she had never, in fact, been pregnant at all. Mm-hmm. Because somebody brought up the fact that she had had her tubes tied following her previous marriage. So, they were like, <laughs> Welp, yeah, what have you been doing the past you know, five months, then it became clear that she had also been making her children, her not fake children, her real children, uh, sick on purpose. Oh. So it was sort of like this combination of, I'm going to do this fictional thing to make you feel bad for me, but also displaying classic Munchausen by proxy sy- yeah. symptoms, um, by making her own children sick. Mm-hmm. So another case is Hope Ibarra. And she combines Munchausen syndrome with Munchausen's by proxy, which is actually not that uncommon, I found out. i buy that. She had claimed to have leukemia and posted about it frequently on social media, which that, like, makes me sick that you would fake about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so she did that to gain sympathy, and she even posted about, like, picking out colors for her casket, which... What? Are you kidding? So her youngest daughter was seemingly also suffering from a mysterious illness until it came to light that Hope, her mother, had been giving her stolen medications and faking tests for cystic fibrosis. Yeah, and Sam's nodding like, yep, that's about right. Uh um, uh In order to continually bring her to the hospital for surgeries. Surgeries. Oh, my God. Even though there was nothing wrong with her. Oh, my God. And treatments. Invasive shit. Yep, invasive shit. So, those are two interesting cases. But the Mac Daddy... (laughs) I'm doing Sam like, knows what I I'm going to say. Oh, my God. This case, the Mac Daddy case of Muntausens By Proxy, far and away, is the Gypsy Rose Blanchard case. Mm-hmm. Far and away. Mm-hmm. This Ugh. case is bonkers, y'all. And if we could just play the whole documentary, Mommy, Dead and Dearest, which is available on HBO, about this case for you through this podcast... I would. We would do it. I guess we I mean we could. There's nothing stopping us from doing that. Probably copyright laws. Anyways. So yes, there's this fantastic documentary in HBO about this case. There's which also is a great BuzzFeed article about Yes, it. we'll link to the BuzzFeed article on our Twitter, our Twitter at I'm Horrified Pod. So the story sort of begins with a young girl, Gypsy Rose Blanchard, and her mother, Dee Dee Blanchard. At this point, you already know where I'm going with this. <laughs> She has Munchausen's by proxy. The mom has it. You get it. You're not dumb. So all of the classic symptoms are here. Dee Dee has a background in medicine, so she's familiar with medical jargon. She claims that Gypsy Rose has cancer, chromosomal defects, leaving her with a mental age of seven, epilepsy, muscular dystrophy, so she can't walk on her own. She uses a wheelchair and, like, a walker. And the list truly does go Mm -hmm. on. She, She says that she has, like dozens of medical conditions. So Dee had been separated from Gypsy's father who she claimed to friends and neighbors as they moved because they moved many times. She Mm -hmm. claimed in new areas that he had been abusive to them and abusive to Gypsy but in reality that was not the case and her father was just not very involved because he lived in Louisiana Mm -hmm. and they moved around a lot. He sent them money consistently and always checked in with his daughter but truthfully neglected what was actually going on. Yeah. So that's, I mean, he's not blameless in the situation. And as we said, that that's a common factor Mm -hmm. in a lot of these cases. So ultimately in June of 2016, Dee Dee Blanchard was found dead in their home. And there were graphic posts on Dee Dee and Gypsy's shared Facebook account that looked like the murderer had hacked into their account and taken responsibility for Dee Dee's death. Mm-hmm. And there were things posted like, oh, that bitch is dead, and I kidnapped her daughter. Yeah. All this crazy stuff. And so everyone Wild. was, yeah, thrown into a panic because they were like, oh, my God, a crazy murderer came into their home, murdered this mother, and took this child who is, you know...
1: Who cannot live without her wheelchair and her medications. Yep. And, like, all, like... Like, her wheelchair was still there, so everyone was like, they must be fucking carrying her around.
0: Yeah. or they've already killed her. Or of course, dead. yeah. Because she couldn't live away from her feeding tube and all these kinds of things. So they were all in a panic because of that, and when they ultimately found her, because they did find her, they found her with a boy she already knew, and she could walk on her own. She had started growing her hair back, and she was standing up. She was basically completely fine. Yeah. You know, she was still reeling from some of the medical abuse that had been placed on her body for her entire life. Mm-hmm. There were lots of medical symptoms that came along with that amount of abuse for her whole life, but none of her previous conditions were there. Yeah. So everyone was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, can you imagine, like, oh my God. what was everybody thinking?
1: Yeah, was ima- completely sure. Just, like, knowing, like, this sweet woman and her daughter who, like, is in a wheelchair and doesn't talk much and is, like, developmentally disabled, and then all of a sudden
0: you see her, like, walking
1: around and being normal.
0: And she had the mental age of seven, is what her mother said. Surprise, that's not true. Surprise, she's a 19-year-old who knows what's going on, who has just been routinely traumatized yes. continually. Oh, my God. So... They naturally were put on trial for the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard and her secret boyfriend, who she had been communicating with via Facebook and email Mm -hmm. online, had planned it with her. So they were both technically charged with the murder. Uh, I believe that Nicholas Gojon was sentenced to life in prison while Gypsy received 10 years. Mm. So she'll actually be eligible for parole in 2023. Oh, wow. um, and, how, and I remember... I what, wonder how old she'll be. She'll be, like, mid-20s. Like, she's not... She'll be about 30, I believe, really? actually. Because she was Damn. 19 at the time.
1: Oh, that's true. That's true.
0: And I remember, I don't know if this is ethical or not. I have no idea what's ethical. But I remember when we watched the documentary together, we were both just like, no. Like, why would she go to prison? She's already been in prison for her whole life. Like, I get that murder is yeah. quote unquote wrong. She planned a whole murder. She planned a whole murder. I get, I get it. Like, I get it. <laughs> but it's also like, she wasn't abused but it's also like she was like it's to me the exact same as a woman who's consistently abused by her husband Mm -hmm. just like murdering him in the dead of night and like to which i'm like cool you know what i mean like i don't love the fact that you had to murder somebody that's never plan a but if your husband's beating the shit out of you every day yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's not, like, it's your fault, but it's, like, I don't know, it's, like, yeah. 40% your fault. It's, like, where human empathy
1: and the law cannot match up. Yep. Like, there's a lot of places that the law, like, should try to be
0: empathetic, but one is when it comes to, like, And I think it does. Murder. Like, there is, there is some wiggle room, I think. I don't know anything about the law. My brother's a lawyer, so I don't know. Oh, my God, we'll we should hire have him. On. But, he should be um, the legal counsel for this show. <laughs> he should, because we have no idea what we're talking about. But I think you can say, like battered women's syndrome yes, or something. That's which, real. That doesn't sound like the best way to phrase that. But that's something that you can say in court is I was being systematically abused. And yeah. I think that that is why she only got 10 years. Because yes. to be honest, if I planned somebody's murder of sound mind and heart, I should probably get more than 10 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> even if I didn't do the murdering. But yeah, so that's, that's one super crazy, more cinematic example yeah. of Munchausen's by proxy. So, I'm going to break down a couple reasons why, to me, this is horrifying. Oh, please do. I don't really need to break down the reasons. It's all, it's all crazy. I mean, I'm on the train. Yeah, we get it, I agree. I hope so. I hope no no one out there is like, no, this feels fine. Mm -hmm. So, number one, a horrifying thing about this, to me, is that this insidious abuse has all of the outward-facing characteristics of a true and devoted love. Yes! That's the worst thing about it, is that the symptom is the cover-up. Yes. Because it's so about caring, it's so about, Mm -hmm. it's this psychological need for both empathy and heroism Mm -hmm. and to feel like people are admiring you and also feel bad for you, Mm -hmm. and so everything on the outside is totally geared towards getting all of that affection from other people. So you're extra caring, extra loving towards your child. Mm -hmm. Everything is outward. Everything is, like, for show in a way, but I think part of it almost is a little genuine in their own mind, in their own sick, you know, mind, because it is a disorder. Mm -hmm. It feels like the correct thing to do. And so it comes across as just a loving mother mm-hmm. trying to treat her child's illness, which like, if a mother came to you and said that she was getting her child treatments for cancer, like, who on earth would question that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course not. Who, what What? what else would you say except for, I'm so sorry. Yeah. What can I do to help? Especially if the girl
1: in like, like in Gypsy Rose Blanchard's case is in a wheelchair and uh-huh. has a shaved head. And, like, for all intents and purposes, uh, it appears to be legit, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly.
0: And so, you know, I'm not saying, like, oh, this is a huge problem, so now every time a child has an illness, you should, like, double-check that the mom doesn't have much and by Proxy. That's not it, but it's, like, it's so rare. You can't even try to look for normal patterns. There are certain signs of more traditional physical abuse that are common. That's something that teachers look for. I know I'm trained to look for them as a teacher and something that you look out for in what children say and how children behave and all that kind of stuff, ways that you can sort of look into things. Mm -hmm. But in this particular scenario, there's nothing outwardly wrong because, I mean, if a child is sick, of course they're upset and of course they're tired and of course things don't seem quite right. Mm -hmm. But you don't see anything outwardly coming from the parents. We have no reason to question And no reason to burden them with anything else because you think that they're sick. You think that they're struggling. Yeah. God. It's so horrible.
1: And also, in this day and age with social media, right, back in the days of Baron Munchausen... When you were like, my child has the plague, and you were lying. Mm-hmm. Like, you only got the sympathy of your town. The one lord who came to collect your yeah. taxes was it, like, oh, the poor babe. Exactly, exactly. I immediately forgot when Baron Munchausen lived, so I might be raw off on the plague. But 17, I don't know. Stick with me. <laughs> Nowadays with social media, and that was, like, a big part of D.G. Blanchard's, Uh like, whole scheme. Like, she would post GoFundMes or Mm -hmm. posts about, like, oh, Sweet Gypsy's going in for another, you know, surgery today, and would get, like, thousands of comments, tons of shares. Tickets to Disney. Tickets to Disney. They didn't make a wish. Like, Habitat for Humanity built them a house Mm -hmm. because of this huge social media aspect of getting that attention. Right. And, like... I know you and I both know people who, like, post on social media when they're, when someone just posts, like, why can't you ever trust, period, and, like, post that, and they're looking for someone to be like, what do you mean? I know. Ambiguous Facebook posts, I'm horrified. Real. Real. But then, like, the Munchausen by proxy parents can take it to a whole other level of, like, my kids... Dying of a random
0: disease. And nobody in their right mind would say anything other than... I'm so sorry. Exactly. Let me give $5 to your Indiegogo campaign. Exactly. Exactly. So that's one facet of it. And then the other thing that is just absolutely bananas to me is how do actual surgeries and treatments and medications get in here? I know. I do not understand it. And they did have some of Gypsy's doctors on the documentary talking about mistakes that they had made, things that they had overlooked. but I just I couldn't understand it. How on earth could a child who's not sick like how is there no backup mm-hmm. checking, testing that's done to make sure that they actually need the surgeries and procedures that are happening? I just can't fathom that. And it makes you just sort of think about how fickle things are and you just put so much trust into what people say because you think they could never lie about certain things. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like the idea that she could get feeding tubes and prescriptions and have her go under the knife so many times... Like, what doctor did that? Like, what yes. doctor allowed that to happen? And and it's not like it's the doctor's complete fault, but definitely there is an element of not being aware that, yeah. oh, maybe I actually don't think that this is maybe as severe as it's saying, or those test results look kind of strange, and this mom is really insistent. Mm-hmm. Maybe I talk to the daughter when the mom isn't in the room, you know? Like, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And in a way, it's like, D.D. Blanchard just had to get one
1: doctor to write down, Gypsy has a genetic disorder and needs a feeding tube. And like, as soon as that was in her records, why would any other doctor- Yeah, it's true. Be like, oh, I don't believe Dr. Smith from Louisiana. Right.
0: And I think at one point she said that she was living in Louisiana when Hurricane Katrina happened. And who knows if that's true. But she said that all of her, her medical records got washed away. Mm -hmm. And so she just went into a new doctor and was like, all right, she has this, 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 and this. And if you have a child sitting there in a wheelchair with a feeding tube, you're like, okay. And after Hurricane Katrina, when genuinely probably tons of medical records were Uh washed away. That makes sense. And you are dealing with lots of people at at one time. So that's horrifying. That's horrifying. And so that the last thing that I wrote is not complicated. It's just, I'm horrified that Gypsy Rose Blanchard had to go to jail. (laughs) That sucks to me. Like, I get that she did something wrong. Yes. But I don't think she should have gone to jail for that. It, the good news is that, like, her
1: dad is more present in her life now. That's true and she is being allowed to like grow her hair out.
0: She's getting an education. She's getting I an education. Yeah.
1: Sometimes I think about Gypsy Rose Blanchard, this is true.
0: Mhm. And I really think
1: to myself, maybe being in prison for a few years will be an easier step from like the prison of living with her mother. That was like real lockdown, like not allowed to stand and mm-hmm. feed yourself. Now for 10 years or less if she gets paroled. She gets to walk around and feed herself and speak to people, but it's within some very real limits. And then maybe that will acclimatize her to the world a little bit more. So when she gets out of prison, it'll be less, holy shit.
0: Yeah, maybe that's true. So I guess that's what I'm cautiously optimistic about. I mean, not the fact that a woman died or was murdered, but the fact that, because we don't advocate for that, but the fact that she is able to move forward with her life. Yeah. And that she's able to find some sort of future after that trauma. And hopefully that the more light gets shed upon this very rare condition, the more doctors think about it and look at it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So Munchausen's by proxy. Horrifying. There's a lot more. There's a lot more yeah. out there. More information, more articles. We'll try to keep you guys up to date on twitter that's it that's not it but that's it for me oh my god (laughs) i'm done talking about it (gasps) oh much how do we how do we segue into um anakin skywalker our young buck from i don't know that there's a good way yeah
1: i'll just go right into it
0: give me it let's go give me
1: anakin oh i will so i'm gonna talk about anakin skywalker today for any of you who are like who's anakin skywalker my response is bro So
0: you don't live in a (laughs) civilized society. (laughs) Anakin
1: Skywalker, obviously, (laughs) was the birth name of Darth Vader, who later went on to be a plague on the galaxy. And he was the main villain of the original Star Wars trilogy. Duh. Duh. (laughs) Father of Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa. Hello. Oh, spoilers for every Star Wars property.
0: Yeah. We're... (laughs) If you haven't seen Star Wars at Especially, this point, especially just, the original trilogy. <laughs> just climb back under the rock you've currently lived under. Um, but so, this is,
1: like, a pretty nerdy subject. And what I'd like to say is that I'm a medium nerd. Mm-hmm. Like, I know more, I think, than just, like, a casual Star Wars viewer. But I haven't watched the Clone Wars. I haven't read the novelizations. Like, I'm definitely not ultimate nerd. Neither of us are Patton Oswalt. Yes. I wish. Um, <laughs> but so... If I say anything today and you're like, I, Patton Oswalt, disagree with you, A, fight me, but B, come to Twitter and tweet at me and I would be interested in learning more about Anakin Skywalker. Can you win me over to him? Surprise, you can't. He's an idiot. He's so dumb. He's so
0: dumb. I'm horrified.
1: Let's talk about Anakin Skywalker. So we first meet Anakin technically as Darth Vader in the original trilogy, but I'm going
0: to take it back. To the prequels. Yeah! <laughs> the prequels! Back to the prequels! What most filmmakers regard as the best
1: Star
0: Wars movies. <laughs> 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 so, the thing about Anakin Skywalker is
1: that even before he was born, he was just the worst. Yeah. And what I'm referring to, obviously, is that um, he was um, messianic virgin birth mm-hmm. because of Midi Chlorians. Let's break down Midi Chlorians. First of all, why did we introduce midi-chlorians to the Star Wars universe? So Anakin could be born? So just, it makes me so mad. In the original trilogy, when we're explaining the Force,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi says to Luke Skywalker, The Force is what gives a Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us and penetrates us. Not a good enough reason to use the word penetrate. It binds the galaxy together. A Jedi can feel the Force flowing through him. Hot. And in my opinion, that's all the explanation of the force we really ever needed. Yeah, it's just I don't like, need like
0: the biology of the force at all. Yeah,
1: it's just like it's in the universe. it com- it, it binds all of us together and it flows through all of us. And the Jedi can kind of feel it more. Yeah
0: And it's like the sort of Star Wars interpretation of God. Yeah, you know. Yeah. but I don't
1: need to get into it. So, but you will. Here I'm we're gonna do a live reading right now. Something you guys might not know about me and Allison. Is that in a in a past life we were actors? We were both actors. That's we were true. both acting majors in college. When yeah, we met. we're trained. We're trained <laughs> Shakespearean actors. That's not true, but we're trained actors. So we're gonna do a short reading from uh, episode one, "The Phantom Menace." Uh, Hell yeah! <laughs> would you like to play Qui Gon Jinn or would you like to play young Anakin Skywalker? Anakin, baby, I want to play Anakin through this whole episode. Absolutely. All right. So this is Qui Gon Jinn. Has taken Anakin as his Padawan, which is like his student. Yeah, this is when he's the annoying kid. Yeah, he's like not nine. the ridiculous, very blonde, yeah, bowl cut. And they've like done a DNA test or something, and they've just dis- and they say to him like, "Oh, you have a really high midi chlorian count." So <laughs> it's that bad. <laughs> again, I'm Qui Gon Jinn, and Allie is a nine-year-old Anakin Skywalker. Dope. <laughs> I'm Liam Neeson. I will not do an accent. I'm gonna get into it. Midichlorians are a microscopic life form that reside in all living cells. They live inside me? Inside your cells, yes. And we are symbionts with them.
0: Symbionts?
1: Life forms living together for mutual advantage. Without the midichlorians, life could not exist and we would have no knowledge of the Force. They continually speak to us, telling you the will of the Force. When you learn to quiet your mind, you'll hear them speaking to
0: you. What?
1: that's not in the original text that's an (laughs) ad-lib so to me that makes less sense than what obi-wan originally says yeah i didn't need to know any of that it's like instead of just being like kind of a nebulous thing that binds the universe it's like they are your cells in your body like i just why why did we do that so according to star wars myth anakin's mother shmi skywalker was impregnated by midi chlorians. Like, Anakin has no father. She just woke up pregnant. And it's because there was just hella chlorians happening. Mm. So what I'm saying is, even before he was born, Anakin Skywalker was ruining it all. So he starts as this nine-year-old boy.
0: He... Dating a 15-year-old <laughs> Natalie Portman for some reason. They're not And then dating they're the yet. same
1: age. It's... It is confusing. I'll, I will get to the Padme-Anakin relationship. But in the first movie, he's nine years old. He's a really good pod racer, fine. Whatever. He's a slave on Tatooine with his mom, that's pretty sad. I don't really
0: like children in movies, to be honest with you. All children in all movies? No, I don't care for it. Really? I don't need to see a child going through something in a film. <laughs> that's so bold. I'm not interested. They can't act <laughs> yet, you know? Like, I'm something just not interested. Some can. I'm trying to think of an example and I
1: can't, so maybe I'm proving yeah, your point. Yeah, there you go. All right, all right, fine. So he starts as this nine-year-old boy. Qui-Gon Jinn ruins his whole life by bringing him into the Jedi Order, because A, and this is fucked up, so I started researching this as, like, against Anakin Skywalker, really I'm just, like, mad at every person in the Star Wars franchise and all their choices. Yeah. So Qui-Gon's like, I've paid Anakin, you're free of slavery, and you're gonna come with me to the Jedi Temple, we're gonna train. And he's like, great, come on, Mom, and Qui-Gon Jinn's like, oh no, I didn't pay to free your mother from slavery. She's still going to be a fucking slave on Tatooine. Thanks, but no thanks, Liam Neeson. Who does that? Yeah, who does that? Who does that? And that leads to some fucked up things in the next movie, Attack of the Clones, which is really where we start getting prime bad choices by Anakin Skywalker. Correct. So the Jedi Order, specifically in the prequels, because there's just less of it in the original trilogy, Mm -hmm. is a pretty fucked concept just kind of to begin. And they always say that Anakin's gonna bring balance to the Force because there's a light side and a dark side. But what it seems like they mean is, like, Anakin will eradicate the dark side of the
0: Force. Which, when you think about how balance works, that doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. And also, like, if you need a nine-year-old to balance your government (laughs) checkbook, that's bad. Absolutely.
1: It just, like... It doesn't make a ton of sense at all. But Anakin's growing up, he's trying to be a Jedi, and he's just not good at it. Like, it's just not clicking for him. He's like, why can't I use my anger and my rage? And they're like, because we're Jedi's Anakin, that's not how we roll. And he's like, why can't I fuck? And they like, <laughs> we're Jedi's Anakin, that's not how we roll. Mits off Natalie Portman, <laughs> alright? And he's like, oh man, I'm really interested in this lightning power. And they're like, no, Anakin, that's not how we fucking roll. Just relax. Just relax. He's like an idiot
0: trap boy, the whole movie. And
1: they're like, you're gonna be the savior of everything, Anakin, but you're a straight 19-year-old idiot. Yep. So Anakin's really struggling. He's not a good Jedi. He's showboaty, and he just wants to fuck. And the person he wants to fuck is Padme Amidala. Natalie Portman. <laughs> um, I would just like to lay this down really quick. Natalie's doing her best in these prequels and I love her and I'm not angry with her. This is not her fault. And Padme Amidala is one of the more interesting parts. Amen. Following a queen and a senator and she's
0: in the politic world. Like, I'm into that idea. And the fact that they wrote her terribly. Yeah. Isn't Natalie Portman's fault. It ain't. It ain't. And I love her lipstick. And she looks great. And honestly, I wish that she had gotten with
1: you and McGregor. That's me. That's just my own thing. <gasps> what? I would have been into really? that pairing way more. Well, because if you think about it, she's kind of between the. I'm, I'm sorry to get off into the shipping conversation. She's kind of between the ages of like Anakin's, like five or six years younger than her, and Obi-Wan is, like, five or six years older than her. You gotta go up. You you gotta go up. But be like, could that have been an interesting dynamic? Maybe, but they don't give a fuck. Hell yeah. Anyways. This is where Annie really goes off the rail of the bad choices train. But this is also where the Jedi Council goes off the rail, because if you have a beautiful young senator who needs to be guarded, why would you send your dumbest (laughs) (laughs) Most irresponsible Jedi. Least trained. Who has been in love with her since she was nine years old. Oh my god. And be like, the two of you should go to a pleasure planet. Yeah. And just guard her and just watch her. And just
0: feed her grapes with the force, you idiot.
1: (laughs) Nothing bad's gonna happen. Oh god. But, so he just continues to make bad decisions there. I don't understand why he would accept that job. I don't understand why Obi-Wan Kenobi wasn't like, excuse me, this is a bad move. Why does Obi-Wan Kenobi go to Geonosis on that movie? It's so dumb. So dumb. Dumb side quest. I don't care about uh, Jango Fett. And Boba Fett. I don't care
0: about any Fett. But let's get back to Anakin. Because it's cut through with Anakin and Padme, like, running through a field together. Yeah. And all I care about are her beautiful flowing maxi dresses, her interesting hairstyles, and thinking about what would happen if she made different choices and didn't fall in love with this idiot.
1: And Anakin's trying to seduce her the whole time. It's- and- and that's the thing. It'd be one thing if, like, they end up on this planet together and they just can't help it because they're young and they are red-blooded Nabooians and, like- (laughs) they just the the attraction is too much but he like from the moment that they are alone together and i keep saying this and yeah. i'm sorry he's trying to fuck yeah he <laughs> just is. is that's the he, backbone of his character it's like they're sitting across from each other and she's like yeah like it's great that you're my guard now like we'll talk about politics and he's like hmm remember when i thought you were an angel when i was nine and she's <laughs> like yeah i guess i guess i remember and it works yeah let me just lay that down he's got more game than i guess i give him credit for because it works and she fucking marries him yeah which here's another question bad choices by anakin why not just like be in love yeah you why do we gotta to put marry a ring her on it and also does space not have contraception i know i would just think everybody's
0: implanted with something or has some kind of ring or something. Everyone in space is, has an IED. Right? In my opinion. There
1: should be no accidental births, aside from conception by midichlorians, yeah.
0: in space. Yeah, she's like, oh, am pregnant. It's like, you're the senator. <laughs> if anyone should of, know about safe sex. You know, like, It should be you who's in a secret marriage with a Jedi Knight. The smartest woman in the universe. With the dumbest Jedi Knight.
1: <sighs> It's just, so those bad choices, bad choices all around, and then he starts having nightmares about her dying. We're into Revenge of the Sith now. Thank God. He starts having nightmares about her dying, and here are a few things I might have done. I might have shared with my partner the concerns I was having. I might have made my marriage known so she could get proper medical care. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I might have confided in my mentor, who is also a Jedi and therefore pretty good at healing. Yeah. Yeah. I might have just, like, stopped drinking coffee before bed, and then maybe the nightmares will go away. I think that would have been a good smart decision, too. What Anakin chooses to do is just straight go to the dark side. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) He's like, this is the
0: only way. Well, Anakin's such, like, a boneless jellyfish. He could have had, like, a headache, and he couldn't find his (laughs) exception. He's like, oh, well, I guess the only person who can help me is the dark side. (laughs) Idiot.
1: He just is dumb. And then his final dumb choice... As Anakin Skywalker, and I'm not (laughs) even—I'm not even getting into Darth Vader. We don't have time. It's not Annie anymore. No, his final dumb choice as Anakin Skywalker is in his final duel with his former mentor Obi Wan Kenobi. They've been fighting on this lava. There's a lot of unnecessary flips, but it's cool. I'm into it. What a scene! And then Obi Wan gets off the lava. He's up on a hill, and he says, "It's over, Anakin. I have the high ground. (laughs) I win." And what I would have done if I was Anakin is I would have flipped right out of there, go to the other side of the lava river, go back to your temple on Mustafar, regroup, see if you just killed your wife. Spoiler alert, you did. Yeah. And just take a minute. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Clearly, you're not winning this Jedi battle. Take a breather. Take a breather. Take a minute. Or. Or. Try to fucking flip over Obi-Wan, does not work, he loses, like, both his legs. Yeah. Falls into a lava pit, has to be put in a ventilator machine, becomes Darth Vader. Karma. It's just a bad choice.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a bad choice by him,
1: and it's the culmination of many bad choices by George Lucas. It's all his fault.
0: Yeah. It's all Anakin Skywalker slash George Lucas's fault, and nothing is Natalie Portman's fault. Ever. 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 And Ever. Ewan, I also forgive him. I forgive Ewan as well. He's He did make bad
1: choices, but I forgive him. I forgive him. I just do. I just want to talk about George Lucas briefly. So, Hayden Christensen, who plays older Anakin, gets a lot of flack because he had to perform as Anakin and it's not a good
0: performance. Can you call it
1: performing, really? <laughs> <laughs> but... So what I'm positing is that it is not necessarily all his fault. Mm -hmm. He's been in other movies and he's been fine in all of them. But what it seems to come back to for me is George Lucas and the way he writes and the way he directs and the vision that he had for this movie. So, it's on the books that George Lucas is not a good director for actors. You know, he's got great ideas, he's got a good idea of scope.
0: Yeah, but but he's like an auteur, right? Yeah.
1: Mark Hamill has said that, like, he used to go to George Lucas during the original trilogy and be like, okay, so Han Solo's come in and is talking to the princess. Is Luke upset? Is he jealous? Or does he think Han Solo's cool? And George Lucas would be like, hmm, okay, yeah, we'll talk about that. And they would never talk about it. Good. And Mark Hamill would just be like, guess I'm going to go make some choices. (laughs) Okay. She's good at choices. He really is. My favorite choice, there's a great line in the movies in like the first scene Luke is ever in where he's with his Uncle Owen and Uncle Owen's like, oh, you have to go and look at these droids with me. And he goes, and I'm about to do some acting, but this is exactly how he says it. He goes but I was going to go into Tashi's station to pick up some power converters. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he says it was exactly like that. And people have always made fun of like that line delivery, but he, Mark Hamill, like very recently said, I delivered it that way a hundred percent on purpose because I wanted there to be an arc. Like I wanted you to see that Luke was super immature. Yeah. and Like a little teenage baby. And then by the end of the movie, and hopefully like if we got sequels by the end of the sequels, yeah. you see a real journey for him.
0: Well, he was doing it all by himself because George Lucas sure it exactly. wasn't Exactly, and George helping. Lucas, like, hated
1: it, but Mark Hamill was like, no, I'm fucking delivering it this way. Do you have any better ideas? And he didn't. Um, another thing about uh, George Lucas is he's not a great writer of dialogue. So all the ideas in Star Wars <laughs> oh, <really>? are him. <laughs> but for the original trilogy, he actually had a lot of other writers coming in and out doing versions of drafts. Like, they'd do a first and he'd do a second. Or he'd do a first and second and they'd do the third and fourth. Like, it would really, it was never just him. And um, Harrison Ford has said that he, like, changed almost all his lines. Like, he would see what was written and think of, like, what he thought Han Han Solo would really say and write that down. Thank God. And then deliver it. And he said, quote, I told George, you can't say that stuff. You can only type it. So, like, they've been roasting George Lucas I love that. since the beginning of time. The actors on the original trilogy just had a little more room to fuck with stuff
0: because yeah. it was this weird... Carrie Fisher also did a thing. lot of her own jokes as yeah. well. A lot of the jokes and best moments that
1: yes, Leia has exactly Carrie
0: Fisher's. So
1: we're going to have another moment of theater here. Yay. And we're going to deliver just two lines. I, I remember it being longer, but it's really not. It's really these two lines. Would you like to be Anakin or Padme? You know. I know what you want. Alright. This is Imagine beautiful Natalie Portman and relatively handsome Hayden Christensen, but he's got that weird rat tail. And they're in Naboo and they're like on a terrace and she's got this gorgeous, like backless dress. It's so beautiful. And she they're looks so good. She's beautiful in every scene of that movie. And they're looking over like the beautiful fields. Or no, it's a beach. They're looking over a beautiful beach. And Padme says, We used to come here for school retreat. We would swim on that island every day. I love the water. We used to lie out in the sand and let the sun dry us and try to guess the names of the birds singing.
0: I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough (laughs) and irritating and it gets everywhere. (laughs) And that's pretty much the accurate... So that's
1: accurate. Yes. Yeah. If I was Hayden Christensen... (laughs) What would you do? (laughs) What would you do? Well, what I would try to do is inject that line with, like, a little bit of levity. Like, Anakin's trying to flirt right there.
0: Yeah, that's fair enough. I see where you're getting. You know what I mean?
1: So maybe I'd be like, I hate Sam. Like, I'd try to make it a like a, a, a half yeah. a joke or something. Right. But here's something interesting. George Lucas was coaching the very young Hayden Christian. Hayden Christian was like 20. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that he wanted him to be like very withdrawn and not be showing a lot of emotion because he wanted the transformation to Darth Vader to be like really extreme because you're anakin skywalker i don't want you to do anything so what he says about those movies were i made the films in a 1930s style it's based on a saturday matinee serial form from the 1930s so the acting style is very 30s very theatrical very old-fashioned method acting came into the 1950s and is prominent today i prefer to use the old style hayden christian said this no george lucas said this
0: Oh. So
1: george that's what George Lucas was coaching Hayden Christensen to do. And Hayden Christensen said that he was keeping his emotions dialed down on purpose in ways that might have been detrimental to the film, but matched the director's vision. So, like, he was trying to do what George Lucas wanted, because at this point in his his career, George Lucas isn't, like, the weird director of a weird sci-fi. It's fucking Star Wars, and he's fucking George Lucas. I'd be
0: scared, too. Right? You'd kind of
1: want to do whatever he says to do.
0: I get that, but, like, I call bullshit on the fact that that Gives Hayden Christensen any kind of out. I will not redeem him. You won't redeem Hayden for me. No, I will not. Will you? No, I don't feel that strongly about him. All right, well. But
1: what I (laughs) what I'm saying is it's more George Lucas's fault. George Lucas had like a real vision for Anakin,
0: and it like wasn't a good. I get that. It wasn't a good vision. George Lucas, I am horrified by you and your decisions. Yeah. (sighs) But
1: so that's just my twenty minute monologue about Anakin's (laughs) go.
0: Covered a lot of ground.
1: I just, I see so clearly a world in which the prequels could have been good and it could have been an interesting story. And it bums me out that instead we got this the dumbest floppy haired Jedi I've ever seen only
0: making the worst choice at all times. And I'm Amen. horrified by it. Amen. But you're cautiously optimistic about that alternate universe where I, the prequels are good.
1: Honestly, I might write, like, a 1,000-chapter fanfic that's just, like, good versions of the prequels. Let's go. Honestly.
0: If I had the time to do that, I probably would. <laughs> it's not that I don't have the inclination. Audience, let us know the interest. <laughs> would you'd... you buy that? Would you support that on, um, GoFundMe, Patreon. <laughs>
1: let sam quit her full-time job so she can
0: write fanfic versions of the prequels yeah i'll put a poll together that would be great i think that's all we have for you this week
1: i think it is i think it is i feel tapped out i will say so recently on our twitter we put a poll about whether or not we would have been friends Mm -hmm. in high school because we talked about that in our form spring episode yeah and you guys voted that we'd be frenemies and that made me deeply upset i get it i think I get it, but I just can't imagine a world where I didn't meet you and
0: immediately embrace you. Well, I can't imagine a world where the prequels are good, so (laughs) (laughs) that's where we differ. All right, everybody. Have a good one, y'all. Stay horrified. Stay horrified.